This morning we're going to talk about our, our work. And so what I'd like to ask you to do is just take a moment and think of the best job you ever had. I mean, hopefully it's the one you're in currently, right? And so, okay, now that you've got that in your mind, the question is, what made it or what makes it the best job you ever had? I mean, I, I mean, clearly the job I'm in now is the best job I have ever had, but the second best job I ever had was when I was in college and I, I got a job uh, at the University of Maryland as a part-time job that turned into a full-time job when I, when I graduated. And it wasn't so much that I liked what I did, but I loved my boss. My boss was a super encouraging guy. We had a great working relationship. But even beyond the work that we did together, which was fixing computers, of all things, he, he was just a, such a supportive person. And I remember him saying to me one time, he said, you know, what, what you're doing now is not what you're going to want to do for the rest of your life, which he, he definitely had that right. And he said, you, you really need to pursue more education and just, just go on, you know, get, get a, a more of a degree. And so I actually started a master's of systems engineering at his recommendation, took a few classes in that. And as I always like to say, I mean, you should be happy the world is a safer place because I got out of that, that field and into what, what I am now. But so I took a couple of classes, knew that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I did pursue more education and in the, theology. And so here I am today. But I just, I loved his attitude. His attitude was not to like take advantage and suck the life out of me as an employee. It was to build into me. And so as we talk about this this morning, I suspect that some of you may even have a hard time thinking about, like, what's your favorite job? Maybe you've never even had a job that you really liked. And that could be for a number of reasons. It could be because you were in a role that wasn't a good fit for you. But probably more often than that, it's really about the people that we work with. It's about the the people that you report to. Or the people who report to you. It's, it's, it's usually about their work ethic, their attitude, something in there that makes it difficult in, in your workplace. And so today, I want to talk to all of us who are working. So whether you are paid or unpaid. I mean, some, some of you are, are moms at home. And you're, you're working harder than everybody else and 24 hours a day but not getting paid for it. Some of you are retired and you are volunteering actively in different places. So whatever your status is, wherever you are working this morning, what I, what I want to give you is a, a really clear directive that if you grab hold of this and put this into practice, it can revolutionize. It has the potential to revolutionize your view of your work. And while the circumstances around you may not change, the people around you may not change, it actually could ignite a ripple effect in the people around you as well. Let's look at this together in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 verse 22 is where we're going to start here today. 
the first half of Colossians, Colossians 1 and 2, if you've been with us uh, since the beginning of, of COVID, first half of Colossians is about what Christ has done for us. And just by way of a really brief recap in that, let me, let me read to you Colossians 1, 13. Christ has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We're going to celebrate that in communion in, in just a few minutes. But that's, that's in a nutshell what Christ has done for us to give us new life. That's the first half of Colossians. Second half of Colossians is what we do in response. And so that's what we've been talking about here the last several weeks. And, and we, we need to know, you need to know, that you cannot do the second half of the book of Colossians if you don't grasp the first half of the book of Colossians. You can't, we can't just wake up in the morning and decide we're going to be obedient to Jesus. We need the new life of Christ transformed in us to help us to be, to empower us to be obedient to Jesus. So today we're talking about the third of three everyday relationships. Two weeks ago, we talked about wives and husbands. Last week, we talked about children and parents. And, and Jeremy Davis, who's our, our new student ministry director, uh, gave us a challenge last week. And I, I love this. He said that God delights in our obedience. So whether you're a child obeying your parent, and there are some of you here this morning, God delights in your obedience. Or whether you're a parent raising a child, God delights in your obedience. All, and that's, and all of us as children of God, God delights in our obedience. Today, we're going to talk about our, our work relationships. And first, we're going to talk about those of us who report to someone. And then we're going to talk to those of us who have others reporting to us. Some of you fall into both of those categories. And the principle that we're going to talk about applies to everybody across the board. So let's start in verse 22, chapter 3. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Okay, before we go on, we'll come back and review this again. But before we go on, I want to talk about The word bond servants. And who is this talking to here? Some of your translations may say slaves there for for that word. And when we use the word slaves, it's usually not translated. It's usually, yeah, it's usually not translated that way. Because when we hear the word slaves, it, it conjures up a specific picture, which is not what was going on in the first Century, So it gives us a wrong picture of that. That's why it's usually translated a different way. But bond servants doesn't really mean a whole lot to us either in the 21st century. So we need to talk about this for a minute. First century slavery, I will use the word slaves because they were considered slaves in the first century. First century slavery had its set of problems, which was a different set of problems from our 19th century slavery. Okay, so in the first century, over half the population were actually slaves. And people became slaves for a variety of reasons that had little, if anything, to do with their ethnicity or their background. They they would become slaves primarily because of poverty. 
which could just be a family thing that down over the generations, a family was never able to get out of poverty. And so they, they had to be in service to someone else. Some people became slaves because they were part of a nation that had been conquered by the Roman Empire. And so they would go in, they would conquer people, and then they would just scatter these people. They'd bring them back basically as property, and they would sell them across the empire to, to work in people's homes. And that's where most of these slaves would work. They, they would work as household servants. You could kind of think in some, in some ways, it was kind of like Downton Abbey situation. If you don't know anything about Downton Abbey, just pretend you do, and then some people will be impressed by that. But in, in Downton Abbey, you have like Victorian England, you have people, servants who live in the house, basically, and that's their life. I mean, that's their whole life is living in the house, serving these people who, who are rich. That was the, more the situation that people were dealing with in the first century. And we, we should know that many of these slaves in the first century were people that today we consider professionals. So teachers, doctors, craftspeople. I mean, they, they were people that we consider professionals today, but they just were not able to financially sustain themselves. And so they had to live with somebody else who basically took care of them as they served them. So, with that as a background, understand that the, the letter to the church in Colossae was coming to a church made up of some who were slaves, and some who were serving, and then some who were being served. Some who were under authority, some who were in authority, kind of like our, our church family here at Grace Point. So, with all of that background... I'm not going to talk about slaves and masters as much anymore, although it's going to come up in the text. But I want us to think in terms of employees and employers, because the, the principles here really apply. So with that in mind, let's read again, verse 22. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, those who are your bosses, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So here's the principle that we see. Work like Christ is your boss. Work like Christ is your boss. So if you are working for someone, you look beyond that human boss, that human person who's in authority over you, and realize that really who you're serving is Christ. You you need to look beyond the person that you're serving and stop using their incompetence as an excuse for you to do crummy work. Is that too direct? Oh, okay. I mean, because sometimes we do that, right? Sometimes we say, well, golly, if this person wasn't such a, an oaf, you know, I'd be, I'd be able to do a better job. And, and, and Paul says here, no, you look beyond that person because you're ultimately serving someone greater. We are all under a greater authority. He says in verse 22, 
that we are not to be serving as people pleasers. We're not here to primarily please our boss. I mean, it's good to please your boss, but that's not your primary person that you're trying to please. And he says you're not here to, you're not serving by way of eye service. NIV translates this, not only when their eye is on you. So, so here's the, here's the question. Do you work differently when your boss is not watching? So this, this has become very relevant for us right now, right? Because a lot of people are working from home and on, on Zoom. And so, you know, we're, we're doing the Zoom thing and we're having meetings on Zoom. And so there, there's actually web pages that can explain to you how you can like, Make a selfie picture of yourself and like put it on Zoom. I mean, some of you know this and have figured it out. Hopefully you haven't done it, but you can like put it as a background on Zoom. And then you just tell the people in your meeting, I'm, I'm having connection problems. And so when it looks like you're still, it's just because, well, it must have frozen up. And meanwhile, you're like going and getting a cup of coffee, taking a nap, who knows, whatever. Now, I am not recommending this, okay? I'm just saying that I have heard that people have have done this, okay? This is a way to serve in a way that it's like, I'm only going to work if my boss is watching me. I'm going to try to get away with as much as I can get away with. And Paul says, no, (laughs) whether your boss is right there standing over your shoulder or otherwise, Jesus is standing over your shoulder regardless, And we need to work like Christ is our boss. We ultimately report to him. Christ, working for Christ. This this is awesome because Jesus is the perfect balance of challenge and support. I mean, usually bosses get over... They they, uh, get off balance in one of those areas. They either give you too much challenge, they're pushing you too hard, and they don't really give you what you need, or they don't really give you any encouragement, or they're too soft, and they're just like, you know, okay, you know, let's all just get along, but they're not really challenging you, not really calling you to your best. Jesus is the perfect balance of both of these, so he's the perfect one for us to serve. And when we grab hold of this, when we understand it, it transforms our work into worship, Suddenly, everything we do is, is, is worship. It's an offering to, to Christ. We, we talk at Grace Point about our, our mission being helping more people become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And the way we practice doing that is, is we want to engage in worshiping, connecting, serving, and sharing. So worship becomes all of, of our life. When we are seeing Christ as our boss, we are, we answer to a higher accountability. I want you to notice in these verses, these, these three verses, how many times the word Lord comes up. I mean, and, and what we're, what we're talking about here is we're seeing Jesus not just as our spiritual savior, but he is the Lord of every area of our life. So in verse 22, he says, we should serve with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, 
not from men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This is the only place in all of Scripture that that phrase shows up, the Lord Christ. And it's a reminder that Jesus is not just our spiritual Savior. He doesn't just save us from our sins. He also calls us to accountability to live a life that is pleasing to him. And so he is our Lord. He is our master. Interestingly, the, the word master, like, like in verse 22, when it says bond servants obey and everything, those who are your earthly master, that, that's the same word, it, Lord. It's lowercase L as opposed to Christ the Lord, uppercase L. There is no separation in our lives. There's not to be any separation between the spiritual and secular. That's a false separation. We saw that back in verse 17 several weeks ago. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything is to be done for him. And God is ultimately the rewarder of our work. We see that in verse 24, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You will receive an inheritance as your word reward. This inheritance is our salvation. This is what we cannot earn for ourselves. This is what we're celebrating in communion in just a, a few moments. We, we celebrate the fact that Jesus has given to us what we could not earn for ourselves. And so Paul says, in a similar way, when you work, when you go and do the labor that God has given you to do, the, the job that he has provided for you to do, you, you don't do it to earn a paycheck. You do it because you will receive an inheritance. You're, you're already being given something. That's what we work for in gratitude for. Now, verse 25. Verse 25 applies to both those who report to someone and those who have others reporting to them. Verse 25. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. This applies to both servant, master, both those under authority, those in authority. There is no special treatment There's no partiality given to someone because of their lowly position. We can't beg off and say, well, I'm just this or whatever. I mean, we're we're held to accountability. And likewise, there's no special privilege for those who are in a higher position from the way we view things. Deuteronomy 10, 17 says this. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. This this verse just makes it so clear how much higher God is than we are. And so whatever our hierarchies may look like, from where he sits, we all look, look the same. And nobody gets away with anything. Okay, Not your boss if he's unfair. And not your employee if they're not doing a fair day's work. Nobody gets away with anything. God is not partial. And we all answer to a higher accountability. So we should work like Christ is our boss. Now Paul turns in chapter 4 here, verse 1, 
to those in authority. He says, masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Justly and fairly. Wouldn't, wouldn't we all love to be treated justly and fairly? The, the word fairly actually in the, in the Greek translates the, the idea of, of inequality, of, of equally. That we are seeing each other, we're not seeing each other as more than, less than, we're, we're seeing each other as, as equals. Whatever our status, so this is important for those of us who are in authority. Whatever your status may be, from a human point of view, from God's point of view, we, we are all equal. We're all on the same plane. It's like, have you ever stood on the top of a skyscraper and looked down? And you can see, you know, cars and, and people, you know, and they look like ants down there. I mean, from that perspective, can you tell who's taller than anyone else? Or if somebody was up on a ladder, I mean, you couldn't possibly distinguish that from that. That's, that's God's perspective of us. He doesn't see us in a hierarchy. He sees us all as equal. We have different roles. We have different levels of responsibility. But we all have equal dignity and value we have all been made every person has been made in the image of god so we we dare not look down on someone else even if even if they're not working very well we treat them with dignity and respect and it's right to call them up in accountability but it's not right to treat them poorly as a human being because as paul says here you treat them justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. You also have a Lord in heaven. Little, little L lords, you have a big L lord over you. Little M masters, you have a big M master over you. Work like Christ is your boss. There is more going on in our workplaces than our horizontal relationships there, there's more going on you you may be the only christ follower at your workplace if you are then then you're bringing this reality that we're talking about here this morning you're bringing that into your setting and christ is calling you to carry that out there we that we all answer to a higher accountability the, the other thing that relates to this is that we all we have an opportunity in our workplaces to to share um, what we believe as a result of how we work. I mean, it's a, our, our workplace is a primary opportunity to share the light of Christ in a dark world that desperately needs it. I mean, many people spend over half of their waking hours doing doing their work. And so it's a huge mission field. It's been defined. Some of you have heard of the 1040 window for missions, um, looking at the, the longitude of, of where the most unreached peoples live. Someone has defined the nine to five window being a, a window where we can reach people with the love of Christ. There's a great book on this called A Better Way. And, and it just kind of expands on this whole idea of how can we be a light in our workplace. I would commend that to you if you want to think about that in, in a greater way. 
Because, because think about this. If you are a crummy worker or a crummy boss, why would anyone who works with you want to hear what you have to say about Jesus? I mean, we should be in our workplaces, we, we should be the best in our work ethic, in the way we treat company resources, including time. We should be the best at showing respect to the people that we work with. We should be the most diligent at working out conflict with people around us so that our life is a demonstration that there's something different and that would cause people to, to say, what, whatever, whatever is going on in your life, I want to know more about that. How we conduct ourselves in our everyday opens the door to talk about eternity. Let me say that again. How we conduct ourselves in our everyday can open the door for us to talk about eternity if, if we are working like Christ is our boss. So as we close here, let me, let me just ask you this. Think about your, what is your motivation when you go to work in how you interact with the people around you? For those of us who are under authority, what is your motivation? Is your motivation to earn a paycheck or is it to please Christ? Jesus, whatever happens today, I I want you to be honored in what I do and how I conduct myself. For those of you who are in authority over others, is your motivation to to use people and try to get everything, suck everything out of them that you can get? Or is it to build people? Are you wanting to, to build into them, to encourage them, to help them become everything that God wants them to be? Here here's what I would encourage you to do this week. I would encourage you, if, if you have any frustration point at your job, maybe some of you, everything's just cool and everything's great and you don't have any struggles and everybody that you work with is a follower of Christ. But if you have any frustration points in your work, then here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to print out Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And I'll just read those again for you. But I want you to print them out so that you can keep them in front of you as you go through your your work week. So here's what they say again. Whatever you do, and this applies whether you're in authority or under authority, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Keep that truth in front of you because you'll, you'll probably hit points of frustration this week. You'll, you'll be frustrated with somebody who you report to or somebody that reports to you. You'll hit those points and then you need to go back and, and, and going back to scripture over and over again is how we renew our minds, how we start to think differently. I mean, this may feel really different. To, to you at first to approach your work this way. But as you keep coming back and reminding yourself of the truth of what God has said, we start to renew our minds. And then we're able to start living into this idea of what does it look like? How, how do I, 
How do I live into the idea of Christ, working like Christ is my boss, making him look good as you go through your work week? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the work that you have provided for so many of us. And as we talked about in in the beginning, we know that some jobs are not our favorite. Um, But but Lord, regardless of of all the reasons behind that, you you call us to to work serving you, to, to answer to a higher authority. And so, Lord, I pray you'd speak to each person in this room, whatever their status may be in their workplace. And, Lord, Lord, just call us to that higher accountability so that we can bring you glory in that workplace. And, Lord, so that it might be a mission field that, that others would want to know what's different about our lives because we are serving Christ. You, you, are, a, you are a great master to serve, and we're grateful for you. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.